Hey there, sports fan. Welcome to the Draft Site Podcast, your home for all professional sports drafts. Brought to you by DraftSite.com, the original full round mock draft site. Now let's get to the show. Hello, and welcome to our podcast here at DraftSite.com. I am DJ Boyer. I am here by myself this evening. No Jared, no Zach, but nevertheless, we wanted to bring you another podcast. I believe this is podcast number 15, NFL Draft. Just, I believe, we're at the 73 days left mark with the NFL Combine about to start this Friday. There's lots to be going on. We spent lots of time talking about, of course, the the playoffs and the NFL season, and it was more about the mock draft itself about uh, our projections, where we thought people were going to go. We're going to shift gears a little bit tonight. Um, Tonight's going to be a little more about uh, the actual team needs. might be a shorter conference, but uh, we're we're just going to go over the team needs of of most of our teams, go through what we currently have as our mock drafts, but again, concentrating on team needs uh, for each of the teams in the draft. So we're going to start that uh, very quickly here. Top of the draft, of course, we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What are the team needs in Tampa? Well, there's a lot, but not as many as you might think for a top-ranked team. Or I shouldn't say a top-ranked team, but a team picking first overall. Normally, we're going to see needs all over the place, just about every position. In Tampa, that's really not the case. Yes, they went 2-14 and 14 last year, but one, it's a weaker division. You had a team win your conference in the, or your division, I'd say, the Carolina Panthers with just a 7-8-1 and one record. So even though Tampa was 2-14, and 14, they, were, they were actually in the hunt to win a division title until about three weeks ago. So uh, Carolina got hot at the end of the season. At one point, it looked like six wins might actually win a division uh, for the NFC South. First off, picking at the top of the draft, you know, the quarter, quarterback's, uh, when you're at the top of the draft, that's what it's usually about, and I don't think this draft is going to be an exception, especially with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I've said it on numerous occasions. Lovey Smith, of course, is your head coach. You saw him have a tremendous amount of success with the Chicago Bears, took them to a Super Bowl. It is where they lost to the Colts, and Peyton Manning got his only Super Bowl ring thus far, maybe. But one of the things, and I, I've stated this on multiple occasions, that Lovey Smith has said this he had a second chance, which he now does with the Buccaneers. He'll be entering the second year. He had to do it all over again. The one thing he would do was not miss that opportunity to draft a franchise quarterback. He rolled the dice with Rex Brooksman for a number of years. And unfortunately, it, uh, it got them to a Super Bowl, but there were a lot of people that questioned the Bears kind of really not going after a quarterback a little bit earlier and, and going with Rex Brooksman for so long. But it really did seem to come back and bite Lovey Smith in the long run. And I think now you're sitting at the top of the draft. You can take anyone you'd like. Of course, I think we're going to see quarterback as a very, very big need. And probably, uh, I'd say there's about a 90% chance, probably even higher than that, that that is, in fact, where Tampa Bay is going to go with this top pick. That, of course, brings it down to Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota. Jameis Winston, uh, we've said it for most most of the season, he he is the top-rated quarterback, probably the best quarterback prospect at at that position. Even though Marcus Mariota won the Heisman, had that banner banner season. Winston, of course, the Heisman winner from the season before. They lost in their uh, Winston actually lost to Mariota in the head-to-head matchup. Off the field, it, it's it's going to be a little bit of a struggle. Uh, I think the top team is going to have to look really hard at this, especially what we're hearing out of Cleveland right now with Johnny Manziel in a treatment facility and all the questions that surrounded him and the questionable behavior and what it's actually done for Cleveland. It looks like Cleveland might actually be in the market for a quarterback again just a season later. So there, there's some red flags there. Tampa's going to look awfully hard. But for everything that Winston does off the field, his football intelligence is just through the roof. The decisions he makes on the field, his ability to look off receivers, make every throw that's needed for the next level. Not a very prototypical mobile guy that you like at the top of the draft, but he can move around and and do enough for you in such a big body that he'll be able to gain yards 
uh, in short yardage situations and possibly near the goal line keeping himself. That's never really been a problem for Jameis Winston. Well, I'm actually going to put uh, Jameis Winston at the top of this draft for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and, and, and be their biggest need. I'm going to look at about two or three other areas that I think might be the biggest need for the Buccaneers. Um, first off, uh, you have to look at the safety position, and, that, and that's a little bit surprising because uh, Mark Barron was such a high draft pick just a couple of years ago. And uh, in Tampa, he showed glimpses, but he never really panned out. He was traded away. And I think that has created a void there in Tampa Bay. Jonathan Banks, uh, you can probably say the secondary altogether. He's not quite lived up to expectations of that second-round pick. Uh, he's one of those players that kind of battled the staff infection of some of the the, uh, the problems that were going on in Tampa uh, last year. But I, I think that and he, he's still shown some promise, and I think they want to get another cornerback opposite him for the long term. So I would say just the secondary in general is probably going to be a bigger need in Tampa Bay, per se. And I think you can look at the, the running back and the guard positions as well on offense. Uh, running back Doug Martin had the very promising rookie year. Injuries have kind of derailed the last couple of seasons, and he's never really kind of got on, uh, kind of got on track and, and really been able to, to carry the load. Charles Sims was a rookie that the, the Buccaneers had taken last season out of West Virginia. Not really been able to... Uh, showcase what he can really do long-term. Uh, he's a very good receiver. I think that's going to help the Tampa Bay offense. Austin Safarian Jenkins, a tight end who I think offers a uh, array of hope, especially at the tight end position for, for Tampa Bay. You've got Mike Evans. There's some pieces there that, that I think are, are very promising for Tampa Bay on offense. But I think the guard position is something that goes overlooked. And the fact that Tampa Bay has struggled to run the football it's something that we should not uh, overlook look, or just think that we're, we're, you can plug in just any offensive lineman there in the Tampa Bay system because it really, they really showed their deficiencies last season. I think it really came back to haunt Tampa Bay. They were among the worst uh, teams in the NFL when it came to come to yards per carry last season. So that's how we're going to kind of leave it off, and it brings us to the number two team in this draft, which is uh, t- uh, the Tennessee Titans, where for – for such a long time, I think we really thought that Tennessee was just going to be the beneficiary of taking the, quote, other quarterback, you know, who's going to be there. Um, the fact that Jake Locker has not really panned out, and and it looks like it would be Marcus Mariota in this position, but not quite so sure. Uh, Tennessee's a team that I really thought was going to make a big push last year. They only went 1-15 down the stretch. 1-14, I should say. They won their opener and uh, linked to a 2-14 and 14 record. They did take the uh, uh, top running back off the board last year in Bishop Sankey. Uh, he did not register a 100-yard game. There were a lot of games that, that Tennessee was playing from behind. I believe there was only one game last season where he actually carried the ball 20 times or, or more. Most of these games, we saw Bishop Sankey get about 10 to 15 carries, probably about 15 touches total when you take into effect uh, his his touches on the ball, catching the football out of the backfield. Zach Mettenberger was a later-round pick. Didn't play that badly for, for the Titans last season. Uh, there was some, uh, some again, some good things we saw to Zach Mettenberger. We, we didn't, again, see him light the world on fire. He was playing from behind on most occasions, but overall, not a bad performance. And I think because of that, uh, Tennessee is not going to take that quarterback, or it's not going to be a slam dunk that people think. Maybe they still take a quarterback, but maybe just a little bit, in, a little bit further down the board in the draft, and they don't go there with that top selection. That really leaves it up to defense, where Jarrell Casey has been a fantastic defensive end for this team, but outside of Casey and uh, Michael Griffin at safety has, has been a little bit inconsistent, but he has shown that he can be a, a big-time safety in this league and make big plays. But, but aside from Jarrell Casey, there's really no one on the defensive side of the ball. I think if you ask any NFL fan, give me three starters on defense for the Titans, you're going to get a blank look from probably about 80% of the population. So because of that, I, I think the Titans are just going to look for playmakers on defense. And that can be anywhere, whether it's going to be along the defensive line, whether it's going to be a corner, whether it's going to be a linebacker, maybe someone who can bring the heat off the corner and provide a pass rush. 
Tennessee can take just about anyone on the defensive side of the ball. And for that reason, uh, we actually have them with uh, Leonard Williams, the defensive tackle out of USC, the man who I have had rated at number one for the entire season, the most talented player in this draft, uh, will play probably just below 300 pounds. Um, plays in that uh, 290 to 305 range, but probably around 295 comfortably. And you can just move him all around the line. Tennessee has probably not seen a defensive line in this versatile since the early days of the freak, Devon Curse. And what he was able to do, those first couple years in the league uh, before some of the injuries, a curse was just a huge difference maker, especially with that long wingspan of his. Uh, so I think that is a, uh, a need for Tennessee, and I think that's, a, that's an area where we see them uh, draft heavily. Um, maybe as far as some other positions, where are some other uh, positions of need for Tennessee? Again, we have mentioned the secondary. Um, I, I think just getting another uh, top-flight corner there or someone, again, that they can look to for the future to be that, that number one cornerback is going to be uh, much, much needed. Uh, also, offensive tackle. You know, Tennessee has invested a lot in this offensive line uh, uh, Chance Warmack uh, was a was a high draft pick. Uh, of course, you take uh, Taylor Lewan this past year, the uh, offensive tackle out of Michigan. So there's been some high draft picks invested um, for this team. But there, you're you're also facing a free agency here as well. Uh, uh, a couple players uh, playing along this offensive line that that may not be back for Tennessee. They've got some financial decisions to make. Uh, I think because of that, uh, you're you're going to see an offensive tackle. Uh, be pretty high. You know, they brought uh, Michael Lower in. Playing the right tackle position hasn't really had uh, a big impact. Michael Roos has been a, a very, I'd say, undervalued offensive tackle. One of the better offensive tackles uh, his first couple seasons in the league, but he's been around for a while now. He's 32 years of age. Just came off a season where he made $6.6 million, so I think he could be a cap casualty or be asked to take that, quote, hometown pay cut. Uh, because of that, I think that you're going to see the Titans actually start looking for uh, some pass rushing help. When we look at the third pick, it brings us to the Jacksonville Jaguars, a team that we have said time and time again is in need of pass rushing help. Uh, they, they were dead last in the NFL um, three seasons in a row, or after you take the three seasons cumulative, uh, 2011 to 2013, Ed last in the NFL in sacks. We did see an increase last year. They actually tied for sixth in the league. Very respectable. Huge jump, moving 26 spots. And, of course, when you're able to get a consistent pass rush, uh, this is going to open up a myriad of things that your defense can do and make that secondary look better. Now, Jacksonville is getting pressure. They're doing it from, from multiple areas on the field, uh, disguising things very well. Jacksonville, another team... That, that finished near the bottom. But, but again, overall, the defense has played okay. The, the thing with Jacksonville, I've just not seen a team give up as many big plays as Jacksonville does. They seem to play – they can be out there and play solid for 19, 20 plays, and they just have that one play where, I don't know, it just seems like somebody goes to sleep or they, they just make a bad read. They've got some personnel that takes a horrible angle, and they're torched for a big play. Jacksonville was probably guilty of that more than any other team at the NFL level last year. Really just frustrating because if they just had a little more consistency out of that defense, you probably probably see another two to three wins for Jacksonville, again, in a division that's not particularly strong. You had Tennessee, who we just talked about, uh, not lighting the world on fire. Houston, of course, at 9-7 and seven made some big strides, but again, is that a team that's going to strike fear into the hearts of AFC opponents? I really don't think so. Uh, so Jacksonville coming away this season with at least five or six wins, uh, I think we're going to see that. I think we're going to see Blake Bortles mature a little bit more. I'm, I'm still a little bit higher on him. I don't think we're ready to throw the talent on Blake Bortles, especially with all the, the young players they brought in around him last year. You're talking about the third youngest team in the NFL. You draft a Marquise Lee. Allen Robinson was playing wonderfully until his injury last year. He was actually leading all NFL rookies. You had Allen Hearns who had a couple big games. There's, uh, there's some pieces there. I think ultimately you're going to need another weapon um, in, the, uh, in the area of Mercedes Lewis. I think that's a, that's a 
a place we're going to see Jacksonville uh, actually address at some point in the draft, uh, Mercedes Lewis. We've seen the numbers kind of drop off uh, for him. Um, other areas where maybe we can see uh, Jacksonville actually go, I think the center position. This is a team that's probably in need of a center. Uh, since Brad Meester's left, they've really not had that big replacement, someone they can really uh, count on. So this is a team that probably by the fourth round will take one of the top centers off the board. Uh, maybe it's a, a Reese Dismukas from, uh, from Auburn. Maybe it's an Andy Gallick from Boston College. Not sure they're going to take that top guy on the board, which looks to be a, a Ronis Grasso from um, the University of Oregon, but maybe somewhere in that two to five range. Maybe Brandon Vitabile from, uh, from Northwestern, uh, a B.J. Finney from Kansas State. These are all players that look like they could be possibilities in Jacksonville because I do believe they're going to address this center position and get a true center, not, not a guard that they're going to try to convert or a player that's kind of out of position. A lot, maybe just overall linebacker depth. And, and I think that we're going to see this team take a running back early. Uh, they brought in Toby Gerhardt, and of course, uh, that, that was a move I was very critical of, and it didn't seem to pan out. Denard Robinson had a couple of very good games, but he's really had problems holding on to the football. So I, I think he's a player that's going to make your roster. They're going to still try to move him around a little bit, get him to catch the football out of the backfield a little more a la maybe like a Dexter McCluster type player. But uh, having Denard Robinson as your number one long-term solution at running back, I don't think we're going to see that happen. So, again, maybe a Tevin Coleman in the second round out of Indiana. Uh, some players later, like uh, maybe a David Johnson out of Northern Iowa, Duke Johnson actually out of uh, Miami, uh, Jay Ajayi from, from Boise State, or you, know, you take a flyer on some of these guys uh, later. So I think the running back position – will definitely be a place that the Jacksonville Jaguars is going to look long and hard. We're going to keep this rolling. Uh, the fourth team that's actually going to be picking, the Oakland Raiders, they've just been at the bottom nearly every year, but maybe a little bit of, of hope. It's a little bit different in Oakland because in the last couple of drafts, we've actually seen some players uh, taken by the Raiders that look like they offer some long-term promise, and this has been – one of the more critical areas of the Raiders is the fact that they've drafted so poorly. But, you know, you take a Khalil Mack, uh, you take a Derek Carr, who really wasn't the problem last year for Oakland. Uh, he offered, uh, again, offered a kind of a ray of light. This is a, uh, a player that, that shows that maybe he could be the, the long-term answer. I don't think anyone's thinking that Derek Carr is going to be a franchise quarterback, but he's definitely better than, than anything – uh, else that Oakland has going on at the position, and he's not a guy that really lost you a lot of games. The problem was they were outscored by 199 points last year. When your point differential is minus 199, you know there's definitely some areas you need to address. And if you're talking about Derek Carr, you got to look at the receiver position. Andre Holmes led this team in receiving last year with 693 yards. That was 66 in the league. You bring in James Jones on a big contract, and he really didn't really didn't pan out either. Uh, did battle a few injuries. But uh, the, the other thing is he caught 73 balls, only 9.1 yards a catch. That's, that's an area of concern. Rushing the football, you know, Darren McFadden continues to not be able to stay healthy. He might not be around for Oakland next year. So I think those two positions are running back and a receiver. And receiver, I think, is where we're going to see Oakland go in the first round. Very good chance that we're going to see Amari Cooper, the wide receiver out of Alabama. Uh, who was third in the Heisman voting, actually landing in Oakland. When you really look there, that there's nothing more than a number three prospect catching the football in Oakland. Um, Latavius Murray offered a few glimpses, had over five yards of carry, but those were a couple big runs. He's actually had some problems staying healthy as well. Uh, you look at a guy maybe like Buck Allen, Javorius Allen out of USC, kind of that hometown uh, kind of feel maybe. He's a, he's a guy maybe by like the third or fourth round that Oakland will actually look toward uh, to bring in. I think that's the type of player the Raiders could be looking for. More of a long-term solution at running back, someone that's going to stay healthy. On the defensive side of the ball, I think maybe a, a big defensive tackle, maybe someone to kind of anchor that line. That's why if, if Leonard Williams is available by the time they come around, uh, you're actually going to see um, Oakland, I think, maybe would take a jump there. But I just don't see... 
uh, him being around at number four unless something really happens. Um, or maybe the Titans actually trade that pick. Uh, if the Titans actually move from number two, you know, maybe Jacksonville's not as apt to take Leonard Williams. Maybe they take more of a pass rushing type. Williams might fall in the lap of the Raiders at number four. Um, offensive tackle is going to be a, a huge concern. Uh, they did bring Donald Penn in actually from the Buccaneers, but again, that's probably more of a short-term uh, signing. You're, you're talking about a guy that's over 30, so I, I think the Raiders would be looking for that long-term solution at the offensive tackle position. So those are that's probably what we're going to see out of the Raiders. And then we go to another team that is an absolute mess. I think if you look at teams in the top five, even though this team picks fifth, maybe the team with the most questions coming into this, this season is going to be the Washington Redskins. It's just been an absolute nightmare. The first year in the league for Robert Griffin, you know, the, the Redskins actually surprisingly win that division. They get to the playoffs, and unfortunately uh, things kind of fizzle out for them. Since then, it's been a struggle. Griffin's actually struggled with some, some injury concerns. The, the, the playoff run, he got hurt down the stretch, hurt himself in the playoff game um, like against Seattle. He had a, an injury, I believe it was against uh, the Ravens and Haloti Nada, uh, and that knee kind of buckled and just hasn't been the same for uh, Robert Griffin. And now you're looking at the, the fact that Griffin is going to be do a very hefty signing bonus this year, and I'm not sure the Redskins are actually going to keep him around. So because of that, uh, you know, maybe they're looking quarterback again. But if they do, I don't think the Redskins are going to do this at the top of the draft. Maybe they take someone a little bit later, someone to develop, and turn this into a situation where you have a, a veteran in there for a year or two, and it's probably not uh, going to be Robert Griffin Jr. I think the tackle position is where we see the Redskins go, because really when you look at the four teams in front of them on the board, again, barring anyone moving up or a trade situation, I don't think there's a team in front of them that needs a tackle as badly as what the Redskins do. You have Trent Williams, the guy's made a couple of Pro Bowls along that line, but aside from that, there's really not a, a tackle on this roster that you're going to look at long term. I think maybe getting that bookend with Trent Williams, a Brandon Scherf out of Iowa, Andrews Pete out of, out of Stanford, but I really think uh, Scherf in the end is going to be the, uh, the overall pick uh, for the Washington Redskins. Uh, you're going to have to look at the quarterback position and the safety position, just the secondary in general. Probably not a secondary in the league that is in worse shape than Washington. Um, uh, the safeties were just awful. So Landon Collins is a possibility, but at number five, a safety that's awfully high for the Redskins to be looking. So if the Redskins do find themselves trading back, I think that Landon Collins is a very good possibility. I think there's a couple of teams in that same boat, Washington at five, Chicago at seven. If you see any of them trade back, a team kind of takes that spot where, where they actually sit, I think Landon Collins for either one of those teams really makes sense. And the cornerback position, again, there's really not a long-term solution there. D'Angelo Hall has been a very pretty good corner for the Redskins. He's not really provided the off-the-field drama that he has in the past. But he's coming off a year where he tore his Achilles. I believe he tore that against Philadelphia last year. And that's never a, an easy injury to come back from, especially at the, the age of D'Angelo Hall. He's not a spring chicken anymore. Um, I think if Washington goes out and breaks the bank with anyone in free agency, look for Washington to maybe bring in a veteran corner and maybe draft one at some point in the draft. Um, probably an inside linebacker as well. Uh, I think that uh, Keenan Robinson was a player that, that, that showed some promise. But, uh, again, I, I just think in pass coverage especially, uh, these, these are players that are a little bit green and, They've really not had that London Fletcher type, maybe someone that can offer a little bit of leadership down the road. So I think those are going to be some areas of concerns for the Washington Redskins. Brings us to number six, New York Jets. Always seems to be up about the quarterback. And, you know, this is a team, we just went through this with Geno Smith two years ago. Again, he's not, uh, he's not performed up to expectations. Excuse me, we're now talking about a new regime. Of course, uh, Rex Ryan is out, so what is it that the new regime is actually going to be bringing to the table? 
Uh, and as bad as the quarterback position has been, the running backs have been just just very bad. Chris Ivory, decent runner. Uh, Chris Johnson, a guy they brought in last year, just nothing left in the tank, and they've actually declined the option on Chris Johnson. I look for a running back in possibly the second or third round. I mentioned a player like a Javorius Allen. Um, I, I think like a uh, like a Tevin Coleman would probably be a fit there. Maybe a Duke Johnson. Again, one of those players looks like a second or third round possibility for New York. But we talked about Marcus Mariota slipping, and if he does get by Tennessee, and Tennessee does not actually make a trade where one of these these teams in the back kind of move up for him, I think the logical position for him is going to be number six. One, I think the new regime is going to be ready to say, look, Geno Smith is not the guy for the future. If we're going to start this thing fresh, we're going to do it with a franchise-type quarterback. Uh, If they're not able to do this, uh, look for the Jets maybe to go somewhere else and maybe hope and pray that a player like Brett Hundley is going to be around in the second round. Although I really think we, we see it every year. It doesn't matter what happens. Every single year, there's that quarterback that teams kind of clamor for, and we see a trade at the end of the first round that is made. Uh, I think Brett Hundley is going to be that guy this year. We're going to see all the attention focused on Marcus Mariota. We're going to see it focused on James Winston. And there's going to be a little bit of a lull there. Uh, I think it's going to be a little bit high for the Browns. Um, maybe the Eagles at number 20. We've, we've heard some clamoring that Nick Foles is not the, the long-term solution. Mark Sanchez has played well at times, but looks like a, a good backup to have on your team, but that's not a player that you want to turn the keys to the franchise over to. Um, maybe even Arizona. We've seen some, some injury concerns there, of course, once Carson Palmer went down and the, the debacle uh, with Ryan Lindley actually in that playoff game. And Drew Stanton not able to stay healthy. We, we've seen what losing your quarterback does. So Arizona is another team, but uh, I don't think Brett Hundley would be around in the second round for the Jets. If so, we're going to have to see the Jets actually climb into the second round, something like we saw the Vikings do with Teddy Bridgewater last year. There's always that quarterback, and I think uh, Hundley's that person. So if the Jets do not go for Marcus Mariota, look for them to try and make a move get into the end of the first round, and they'd really be kind of throwing the farm at uh, two of three positions because they need a quarterback, they need receivers, and they need a running back. They brought in Eric Decker last year, not a true number one guy. He did help. You've got Percy Harvin, but you got to wonder what the contract situation there. Is Percy Harvin going to be around long term? Uh, this is a guy who's kind of has a lot of money actually coming to him, and, and the fact that he's not been able to stay on the field consistently – He's shown that he's a threat. You've got to account for him, but we've not seen Percy Harvin play a 16-game schedule. So I think because of that, that's a lot of money that's actually going to be due to Percy Harvin, and that may have been a short-term fix for the Jets. Again, another guy who's probably going to have to take that hometown pay cut. And I think at the linebacker position, it's another uh, another area for the Jets. They're always in need of a pass rush, and so I think maybe that uh, that one outside linebacker type, maybe someone who's more situational, maybe just a third down blitzing type player, uh, that's where we probably see the Jets go on draft day. We're moving up now, number seven, the Bears. We talked about the fact that Landon Collins would be a perfect fit because last year, you know, the Bears, they improved. Uh, they gave up less points in the season before. They gave up about 60 points less Uh, in 2014 and what they did in 2013. But uh, the big problem there is last year, that was the second most amount of points the Bears have ever given up. They were coming off a year in which they've given off a a franchise worst amount of points. So, yes, they improved, but it wasn't drastic. So uh, the Bears have given up over 900 points in the last two seasons combined. So we're really going to have to see the Bears make a, a huge commitment on defense uh, you're going to have to look everywhere, whether it's that safety position, some more cornerback, uh, some more uh, just some defensive ends or some tackles, pass rush altogether. I think that's why in the first round a player like Shane Ray, maybe a Randy Gregory, maybe even a Bud Dupree, someone that's more of a outside linebacker presence, something that has been missing from Chicago for a few years. Uh, I think they would benefit from having a, a strong presence at the defensive tackle position as well. But I think there's a number of areas we're going to see Chicago going. They're probably going to tinker with that quarterback position also. We saw Jay Cutler get benched toward the end of last season. Is Jimmy Clausen a guy that 
you know, they really like that much in Chicago. It, it's possible. He didn't play awful down the stretch. Uh, the, the, he actually had an injury uh, come to him late in the season when he got his chance. Um, I think Jimmy's Clawson's a little better than what he showed in Carolina, but again, not a franchise-type guy. Do you want him on the roster? Yes. Do you want him starting? No. So look for them to make it a move. Could be anywhere in like the, I would say, the fourth to sixth round. A player like a Garrett Grayson from Colorado State, uh, a Shane Carden from East Carolina, someone who could possibly come in and, excuse me, um, challenge for some time, but maybe not be that franchise quarterback, someone that you're going to have to break the bank for. Uh, that's something that we're probably going to see in Chicago. Atlanta picking at number eight. Um, we just talked about edge rusher, edge rushing, someone off the edge bringing pressure in Chicago. Same thing is going to be needed with the Falcons. Uh, Khalil Mack was a person I think they had their eye on last year. It was going to be Khalil Mack or the offensive line. They did take the offensive line with, with Jake Matthews, and I think the offensive line is looking better. Uh, but I still think they need that pass rusher. Uh, they need a couple of safeties as well. Um, I, I think that you know William Morris turned out to be a very good safety. I think he's an underrated player we don't hear enough about. But there's really no one that you can kind of put him with. And also the tight end position. Um, of course, Tony Gonzalez has been out of the league now, and, and, and Atlanta's really not found that go-to type tight end that you can really depend on in the red zone. So uh, Atlanta... Possibly by the third round, uh, maybe a player like a, a Ben Koyak uh, out of Notre Dame, a Nick Boyle out of uh, Delaware, who's really seen his stock rise after a senior bowl performance, uh, is a player that I think Atlanta could target in this draft. Trying to move a little quicker now, we've got the Giants at number nine. Giants, very interesting team because there's a number, and I, and I do mean a number of directions that can go with this top pick. You could possibly see them going with an offensive lineman, and, and that's something that they've done the last few years. You you had a, a Justin Pugh actually just just drafted it uh, just a couple of years ago, but I think the Giants have really seen what what Dallas did, and the fact that Dallas has taken an offensive lineman in three of the last four drafts in the first round, and look what it's done. It, it's just paid dividends. Dallas has developed in, into one of the better, if not the best, offensive line in the league. Zach Martin, to me, he was still rookie of the year. I know Odell Beckham, especially on this on this giant team, just played wonderfully. The catches he made was just ridiculous. But Zach Martin, he was the best guard in football last year as a rookie. It was just amazing. You, you can't think that that was all. Uh, the running of DeMarco Murray. Yes, he stayed healthy for most of the year, and he's a good player. But at the same time, I really think that the interior of the the Cowboy line has improved so much. Uh, Travis Frederick as well, we got to talk about him. And it, it's made a huge difference in that offense. It's taken all the pressure off of Tony Romo, and Tony Romo responded with one of his best years as a pro. And I think the Giants see that blueprint They've seen it happen to them right in their division, and they would love to have something like that happen. So I think a tackle, and I just think you're going to look for depth along the, the defensive line. Um, Jason Pierre-Paul, is he going to be back? Uh, the fact that he is an impending free agent here, does that mean that the, the Giants are going to be looking for, for some help there along the, uh, the defensive end position? I think a big defensive tackle. If Danny Shelton, maybe the player um, – player from Washington, there, there's going to be a lot of teams that look at him in that 10 to 20 range, uh, but maybe the Giants pull off a little coup here and take him a little bit early. Uh, you know, we uh, safety with Landon Collins possibly as well. This is another team that if they trade back, maybe Landon Collins is on the radar. There's a number of teams that would like his services, but taking a safety that high, excuse me, it's a little bit risky and it's something that we don't see done very often. Uh, so the, the Giants are another team that could be in that, hey, let's trade back and take Landon Collins sweepstakes. But there's probably not a safety we're going to see taken in the first round aside from Collins. I think uh, Gerard Holloman out of Louisville and the 14 interceptions last year is going to be attractive to a lot of people, uh, but I think he, he's more of a second-round pick at this point. And to pick overall, let's look at the St. Louis Rams. It looks like maybe Sam Bradford's going to be back. It, it looks... It sounds like he's had a lot of input as far as 
uh, the coordinator that they're going to be bringing in. They've, they've involved him in a lot of the off-the-field decisions. So Jeff Fisher has kind of told us all along that he thought Bradford was the guy, and we've really not believed him. And, and maybe we should. This is looking like if, if the Rams do take a quarterback, it's going to be a little bit later, second or third round, not someone in, the, in that first round. Um, you know, along the offensive line, they did take uh, Glenn Robinson last, uh, uh, last year out of Auburn. They kind of started him at guard. They've kind of moved him into that tackle spot now. But again, now we're, we're going to see some players in free agency leaving. I think because of that, maybe you slide Robinson into that left tackle position. And maybe at right tackle, we're going to see the, um, the Rams actually insert someone. Uh, again, Andrews Pete would be good here. Leo Collins out of uh, LSU is kind of looked at more as a right tackle prospect, maybe not the left tackle prospect like uh, talked about with some of the other players. Or an Eric Flowers out of Miami, Florida, who I think is one of the better tackles in this draft and is rating a little low right now. I think maybe the Rams look there. Uh, with that uh, offensive line, we've seen what they've been able to do with the defensive line. This is a team that still seems to be one receiver away. Um, Brian Quick has played you know, pretty well. We've seen some inconsistent um, play out of tape on Austin. Edmund Bailey had his moments last year. Again, they're <coughs> excuse me, coughing a little bit here. There's some decent options at receiver, but again, the Rams, especially in that offense, they just need... Uh, a couple more, uh, I think, options really to take the pressure off that running game. We saw them kind of hit their stride with, with Zach Stacy the previous year. Trey Mason came in and played pretty well down the stretch, but we don't see the consistent production there. And I think that a lot of that has to do with teams are going to stack the box. They know that the Rams are going to run the football, especially after the injury to Bradford last year. You were counting on some unconventional players at quarterback, and I think that really kind of took its toll on the Rams. I think with some more options, even if it's just more of a decoy uh, and and maybe running that spread offense and running the football more effectively, I think that is uh, this is a case where you're going to see we need more options at receiver, more weapons to throw the football to, and in turn, just having that threat, it's going to open up the running game for the Rams. And I think... Uh, this is a team that, again, just, just seems to be very close and is just on the brink of making the playoffs. And I think if they're in a division outside of the NFC West, which has been so strong, uh, the Rams may have been right there in the hunt for a, a playoff spot last season. At number 11, we got the Minnesota Vikings, and I think offensive tackle, uh, maybe even the guard position, uh, is going to be where we're going to see them look first. Uh, possibly even a wide receiver, because... You know, another team that's in, in need of some weapons. Uh, and I, I really like what Zach uh, said on, on one of our, our last shows. Devontae Parker, who's kind of seen right now, I think, is the number three wide receiver prospect. We hear more and more about Kevin White from, from West Virginia climbing up the boards. But, again, you've got to think has, something has to be said for chemistry. And I think having Teddy Bridgewater and Devontae Parker reuniting those Louisville teammates again I think there's maybe something to that, and I, I hadn't really thought of that that angle until Zach brought that up a couple of weeks ago, and it's a very good angle. Of course, the Adrian Peterson situation, that's something that we're, we're going to monitor very closely. Uh, Minnesota has said they want him back, but I still think that Adrian Peterson has kind of felt the sting of the franchise really not backing him up last year when his legal troubles kind of popped up. And I think because of that, he could be looking for a ticket out of town, maybe trying to orchestrate something himself. And getting another cornerback, because Xavier Rhodes, I think it's one of the best young corners in the NFL, but I think having someone opposite him, or you're, you're going to see a lot of teams just kind of avoid him and pick, go to the other side of the field and kind of avoid him altogether. And I think that's a situation uh, that the Vikings would like to avoid. And that brings us to the Cleveland Browns. They're actually not picking in the top ten this year, which is amazing, but they do have two picks. Keep this in mind. The Browns do have that extra pick, which right now is number 19. It is from the Buffalo Bills. That was in the trade for Sammy Watkins last year. That was uh, orchestrated for the Browns. And, and that's kind of funny because the Browns give up that pick for another team to pick a wide receiver, and possibly the biggest need for the Browns right now is wide receiver. We needed someone to get 
on the other side of Josh Gordon. And now you need someone to replace Josh Gordon because, once again, he is facing a lengthy suspension. It's going to be at least one year. Uh, so I think a, a, a big, tall target is something that's going to be needed in Cleveland. But who's going to throw him the football? Because uh, we don't see Brian Hoyer being a long-term solution. What's going to happen with Johnny Manziel? The fact that he's in treatment right now and really played poorly down the stretch, and I think the lack of preparation has really kind of showed itself. I think you also got to look at the nose tackle position because, again, the Browns played well on defense, but they really lacked that big interior presence along the, the defensive line. And I think Danny Shelton makes a lot of sense at number 12 for the Browns. You're playing a division where the Ravens are always running the football. Um, they did it effectively last year, even with Justin Forsett. You've got Le'Veon Bell, who's probably the best young running back in the NFL, and, and you see how much damage he does catching the football as well. But he can still run it effectively inside or outside. You've got Jeremy Hill and uh, Gio Bernard, a very good one-two punch in Cleveland. So having a strong nose tackle, someone that's either going to make plays themselves or funnel those runners to the outside and open up holes for the linebackers, is something that's very, very overlooked. It, it's Sometimes on teams like this, they, they, they kind of go unnoticed because they don't put up the big numbers, they don't have the stats. But having a monstrous defensive tackle, someone's going to take up space, is something that's always needed. So I think Danny Shelton is a big possibility for this team. Linebackers altogether, Barkevius Mingo has not provided that steady pass rush you're looking for. Other than that, the Rams are not, not in uh, bad shape. And, but, you know, you've got to talk a little bit about special teams. If there's one team that could take that kicker in the sixth or seventh round, look for it to be Cleveland. I think Billy Cundiff, again, just does, does not seem to stick long term. And uh, the Browns tried out a, a couple of kickers late in the season last year. So uh, getting a consistent kicking game, it would have helped Cleveland. They were in a lot of close games last year. Uh, maybe they win another one or two games if uh, they have a more consistent uh, kicking game, whether making field goals or just feeling a little bit better about some drives that would come up short if they, they knew there was an automatic three on the board. The Saints are at number 13. Really – was a surprising year for the Saints. We thought this was going to be a, a bigger year for them, that they would kind of run away with that, that NFC South, and unfortunately that did not happen. They finished 7-9. and nine. They actually uh, lose the division by half, of a, half a game to the 7-8-1 and one, uh, Carolina Panthers. So because of that, I, I, I think that we're going to see uh, the Saints – really, really look hard at a linebacker. Uh, this is a team that they, they've, they've got a lot of, I'd say, needs or, or players that are in kind of a uh, in limbo with their contracts now. Uh, Paris Har Harrelson has been re-signed. He's back with the Saints. That's uh, one of the players that there, were, there was a lot of questions about, but I think even the inside linebacker position uh, they, they, it was very poor play for the Saints last year. So we could see them looking toward an inside player, uh, maybe by the, the middle rounds, a corner. Uh, again, right at this point, there's no team, I think, in the top 12 that where corner is the biggest need. So we could see the Saints maybe go there, even though it's probably not their biggest need as well, just knowing the fact that they would have the pick of the litter, that no one is off the board. Uh, that maybe we see the Saints go for a Trey Waynes from Michigan State, or because of the fact that uh, corners will not go higher in this draft, Saints are in a very good position where they could trade back. They can actually trade back probably five to ten positions and still get a good corner and, and attract another draft pick in the process. Uh, maybe some other, some other areas would just be, I, I just think some, depth along the offensive line, uh, possibly even a, a, a tight end. I think outside of Jimmy Graham, there's not a lot of options there. We could see the Saints being a, a dynamic offensive team uh, where you get an, in another athletic tight end that you can kind of stretch the field with. With Jimmy Graham, the more two tight end sets really make some teams kind of think twice about what they're going to do when defending the New Orleans Saints. 
Miami Dolphins at 14. What are the areas of need here? I think linebacker play has been very inconsistent for the Dolphins. I think a defensive tackle, they're, they're missing some players uh, through free agency. I think Jared Odrick was a, a player, one of those guys who played pretty well but you know doesn't have the monster stats, and I'm not sure he's going to be back. And if that's the case, uh, I think we could see an, an interior lineman or someone that can kind of be interchangeable. You can play as an end or maybe a tackle. Uh, so possibly by round two, round three, look for the, the Dolphins to take someone uh, in, that, in that area. Uh, I think a Shaq Thompson was the player we had in the last, uh, the last mock draft actually going to the Dolphins. It's a good fit, a uh, very good fit, and, and I think that uh, the only other position I can really think of is uh, Louis Delmas, who really played uh, very well. Uh, for the uh, for the Dolphins before tearing his ACL last year, and I think because of that, maybe the safety position. Uh, Frank Grimes play, has played outstanding since coming over from the Falcons, a, a small school player from uh, Shippensburg, <clears throat> that's performed again admirably for the Dolphins. But maybe getting someone with him uh, would be a, a good direction for Miami. But I think it's going to come down to Jared Odrick and whether he's actually going to be in town or if, again, he is uh, going to be somewhere on the street. Uh, and, and if that's the case, I think that Miami is going to have to look for a replacement somewhere by at least by the third round, if, if not the top pick. We are getting toward the middle stages of the draft now. This brings us to the San Francisco 49ers at 15. A lot of, lot of needs here. Wide receiver, you've got Michael Crabtree, who's probably not going to be back. And then you, you look at the other options. You've got Stevie Johnson and Anquan Bolden, both on the opposite side of 30, getting some young targets there. I think some uh, cornerback help is something that's going to be needed. They really hit a home run with Eric Reed at, at the safety position. I think just getting some other big-time defenders back there is going to be something that uh, we're going to see placed at a premium for in San Francisco. I just think there's just a lot of areas here where San Francisco needs help. They're, they're just not as deep as we've seen them in past years. You know, Justin Smith is another player who's, who's getting a lot older. Uh, it's hard to believe that this guy is actually over the age of 35. So uh, Mike Ayupati, uh, the fact that he could actually be uh, hitting the free agent market as well. So I, I just think depth is going to be a huge concern for the, for the 49ers number of areas where we can see them go uh, in the first round. Uh, at 16, you've got the Houston Texans. I talked about Danny Shelton. That, that type of player would be good uh, for the Texans. They, you, know, you take Jadavion Clowney with that top pick. They're expecting a lot of big things from him this year. They want to keep him healthy, play him opposite of J.J. Watt. And of course, that, that brings your pass rush off the corners, but what are you going to do in the middle of the field? I really think that Shelton's off the board. So in the last mock, we had Malcolm Brown, the defensive tackle, who declared early from the University of Texas. Again, you're talking about kind of a hometown guy here. It would be a great pick. Uh, I think this, is, this team has lacked a big-time defensive tackle for a number of years. I think the other position, uh, you're going to be looking at wide receiver. We, we talked about this a couple of years ago. They've got DeAndre Hopkins in the fold now, which is a good thing. We always talked about someone to play with Andre Johnson. Now I think it's someone to play with Andre Hopkins. I think what we're seeing, the, the end of the road for Andre Johnson, I think getting that, uh, that long-term kind of guy in there with, with DeAndre Hopkins could be the, the, uh, the place we can kind of see the Texans going. I think they're happy with the secondary if, if they get another player in there to start alongside of Jonathan Joseph, maybe someone for the long term. I think D.J. Swearinger sometimes gets a, a bad rap, I think, overall. He's been a very good safety. Uh, and, and just a little more depth along the, the offensive line, especially at the tackle position. But I don't think this is an area where the Texans have to spend a lot of time or a high draft pick. I think that defensive tackle position, to me, is the most glaring kind of deficiency. And you've got to think the, the Texans performed pretty, pretty well last year, what they're going to do at quarterback long term. Of course, is, is, a, is a big question. But you've got Ryan Mallett. You, you drafted Tom Savage last year. 
I don't see that uh, being a huge area of concern, but maybe they do take someone that's not near the top of the board. But again, if the NFL does expand the playoffs, and there's been a lot of talk about that, uh, the Texans would have been the team to actually get that AFC spot. Uh, that They would have been that seventh team last year. It would have been Philadelphia and Houston uh, would have been the teams making the playoffs last year if the NFL does move to this new format and only one team would actually get the bye. So Houston's, and again, playing in that weaker division with Jacksonville and Tennessee, this is a team that can take advantage, um, and especially if they go 4-0, uh, 3-1 against teams like that. It's going to provide a big boost, and maybe they are in the AFC playoff discussion once again this season. Brings us to a pair of teams in the AFC West. We've got the Chargers, and we've got the Chiefs. Uh, when I look at the Chargers, I don't think enough people are talking about the fact that they really need a running back. Ryan Matthews has been very, very undependable. Uh, a player that's been just hurt time in and time out, and I, I think getting that long-term running back guy, this is where I think we see the first running back off the board. Of course, we have not seen a running back taken in the first two, in the first round the last two seasons. I think this is the year it stops. Uh, Melvin Gordon, I think, probably the top running back off the board. I still think Todd Gurley's the better prospect, but there's still going to be some uncertainty following his ACL uh, tear, and I think because of that, uh, this is a place where Melvin Gordon probably winds up. Um, I, I would just say so the, the tackle position, King Dunlap actually played, played pretty well the last two seasons. Uh, he came over from Philadelphia, and a lot of people thought that was going to be a glaring weakness and it really hasn't been, but uh, we're now talking about the fact that, that there's going to be some – King Dunlap, the player we just talked about, is now going to be a free agent again. The San Diego bring him back. There's needs along the interior with, with the guards. So it's not all the running back there. I think they just need a little bit of an overhaul on that offensive line and be able to run the, the ball more effectively and not put as much pressure on Phillip Rivers as they have in the last two to three seasons. A good nose tackle. You know, we did talk about uh, this is a team that runs a base 3-4. So that big guy, uh, you know, Jordan Phillips is a guy we're going to hear a lot about. I actually have him going at the end of the draft to a player like, uh, to a team like the Patriots, maybe being that Vince Wilfork type. But if anyone takes kind of a chance on him early, maybe they kind of trade back and, and get, him get him before the Patriots. Uh, I think a good good team for that, or, or maybe a good possibility, would be San Diego. So you got to keep that in mind. Uh, you look at the Chiefs, a team where no wide receiver caught a touchdown pass last year. That, of course, is just a huge, huge glaring weakness. I'm, I'm not sure if that's something that I've ever seen. i got to look back in the annals of NFL history and see if that's been done before. I, I don't think so. But uh, Dwayne Bowe, of course, been a huge disappointment. Uh, you've got some good young tight ends there, especially Travis Kelsey, but, you know, you're going to need wide receivers. And you, we could see three wide receivers taken in maybe the first by round five by Kansas City. They, they just need players that bad. Unfortunately, the safety position, you hate to say it, but the health of Eric Berry, you don't know what's going on with the uh, uh, Hodgkins the diagnosis and what his long-term prognosis is. And I think if... If the news is not all good or there's too much uncertainty heading into the season or before draft time, uh, I think we could see the Chiefs take a safety rather high in this draft as kind of a contingency plan, maybe by the second or third round. A player like Gerard Holloman like I just talked about would be a big, uh, would be a huge boost. Some cornerbacks, uh, a Quentin Rollins out of Miami of Ohio, who I think is one of the better prospects in this draft. Uh, Jacoby Ford, uh, uh, the person that, uh, or uh, I'm sorry, Jacoby Glenn, I don't know why I keep wanting to call him Jacoby Ford, uh, but out of uh, Central Florida, who I think is probably, to me, just very undervalued and could be the best corner in this draft, uh, could be taken by the second round as well. Um, if maybe even Marcus Peters, who, you know, of course, was dismissed from Washington, but if there's a team that needs him bad enough that takes him in that first round, the Chiefs could be that team. What we're going to do is we're going to go over two more teams now, and I think we're going to call this a, an end, and we're, and we're going to do a part two 
where I'll probably be covering uh, teams in the 21 to 32 position. So um, just a couple more to look at, and that's going to be 19 and 20. 19, again, this is where Cleveland comes up a second time. 19 spot is held by the Bills. They gave that up for Sammy Watkins. So obviously it's going to be a little harder to dissect here. Um, we already talked about the Browns' needs. Um, I think defensive tackle, uh, quarterback, uh, wide receiver. Big question is quarterback, do they package these two picks together? Do they offer someone a 12 and a 19 and maybe something a little bit later in an effort to move up uh, into the top 10 to take uh, possibly a Marcus Mariota? That's a good possibility there. Brings us to the last non-playoff team, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles at number 20. Team that uh, didn't get it done down the stretch. Quarterback, of course, is the talk of the town here. Uh, Nick Foles has – I still think there, there's time there. What people don't realize is he – I think he only has 18 NFL starts under his uh, – on his resume. So he's only, really only played one full season. He had that amazing year. I don't think anyone expected him to match those stats again. But he was turning the ball over just uh, kind of at an alarming rate last year. He really threw a little bit of wounded ducks into the secondary. And he's a guy that he's smart. He can play well. He can make a lot of the throws. But Foles really doesn't have that – has never really been the guy that has that cannon of that arm, that velocity. It's not just throwing the deep ball. He can do that. But it's those intermediate uh, passes or, or passes the sideline that – Foles does not have the zip that a lot of the top quarterbacks have. And I think when he makes some poor decisions or, or makes some bad throws or kind of throws off that back foot and is under pressure, a guy that doesn't have that top flight type of velocity, it's just, it, it really becomes more apparent in those situations. He kind of floats up some wounded ducks and some very poor passes. Even though he had a lot of interceptions last year, there were a lot of plays or uh, maybe some balls that, that really could have been intercepted or he just kind of throws into some bad areas. It could have been a lot worse for Philadelphia last year. So quarterback is going to be the talk. Maybe they – I've been saying all along Brian Bennett in the later rounds, and now that became a rally cry for a lot of people when they saw how he played at the senior bowl. Didn't play as well in the game, but in the practices, you know, he, was, he was very good, and he played with Chip Kelly and, and was at Oregon before transferring – so maybe you get Marcus Mariota light, or maybe they do go all in. You've got uh, Chip Kelly kind of calling the shots now. It's going to be a different look. But everyone in Philadelphia, of course, wants secondary help. So much is made of what you've got to do in this offense and how fit you've got to be running these quick plays. But I've said all along, the defense needs to be in better shape than the offense because the defense is just on the field longer. Uh, even when the the Eagles are clicking and they're putting up points, a lot of times they're doing it quick strikes. They're, uh, it's big plays, or they have a lot of drives that actually last less than three minutes. So even when they're clicking, the defense is just on the field because the offense does not sustain long drives. They're not. They're. they're this is not a time of possession team. So you really need to be interchangeable uh, on defense. And the Eagles have a very good front seven. Uh, along the defensive line, they're, they're interchangeable. They, they've, got a, they've got amazing depth. They've got great starting linebackers. Depth is a concern there. We saw what happened when D- D'Amico Ryan's got uh, the Achilles injury. Does he come back? Uh, Casey Matthews played poorly. Emmanuel Achu actually went through some injury concerns. So having a dependable backup or a starter for the future at the inside linebacker is something that the, the Eagles are going to look heavily at if they don't address that in free agency. But uh, they just seem to ignore the secondary year in and year out, even though the Eagles could probably spend the first three picks in the secondary. That, and I think one guard, I think along the offensive line, we saw what happened when the Eagles went through their injuries early in the season. Um, two years ago, when they burst on the scene with Chip Kelly, Every single offensive lineman started all 16 games, and there's nothing you can say for that type of cohesiveness when your offensive linemen avoid injury. It did not happen last year, and now I think Todd Harriman's is, is probably the guy on the way out, and, and I think that the Eagles need a long-term solution. Uh, I have them with A.J. Can uh, for, in, a, in a couple of mock drafts out of uh, Boston College. Maybe a Josue Matias or a Trey Jackson, maybe one of those guards from Florida State. Just... I think a, 
A pick in the first three rounds along the interior line goes a long way for Philadelphia. Well, I think I've rambled long enough, guys. So we're not sure if this is going to be uh, just me or someone else joining us uh, in the next show. But I think we're going to go with picks 21 through 32, and we'll uh, talk about a couple other points uh, aside from that. So have a great night, guys, and we'll see you on the next podcast. Jelly